welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source for the long haul. Who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Why do I always quote Paul Gauguin? He's not really relevant to code most of the time, but that's just what we do here. And if we were to quote it today, it would be Gauguin.py. That's right. We're talking to the PSF again. Super excited to have Eva back on the podcast, as well as another guest before we go around introducing her. I want to make sure that we also introduce the other panelist. Some of you may be new to this podcast and not know who we are. I'm Richard Littower. I'm here on behalf of Sustain. I'm feeling good today. Eric Berry, how are you? I'm feeling great. How are you doing, man? Well, I guess you already said, so you're yeah. doing great. Everything is great. Justin Dorfman, are you doing great? I'm doing great. Collection of excellent liars on this podcast. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. We're all really happy to be here. This is our favorite part of the week because we get to talk to people about stuff that we love to talk about. So as I mentioned, we have Eva Yavlowska with us today. Eva's calling from Chicago. Eva, how are you? I am fabulous. It's Friday. I'm not sure when this will air, but it's a great day. It'll probably air in around two to three weeks. That's around the time we have for the lag. For those of you who are listening who are like, ooh, that doesn't sound too bad, feel free to suggest more guests and we can have a better backlog. Eva is the executive director for the Python Software Foundation. This is one of those really large foundations that basically manages a whole bevy of projects. One of the main ways that they get their funding is through PyCon. PyCon is an annual, COVID caused some issues, but I think they had one virtually, but basically an annual conference where people come and get to talk about the things they love about the Python ecosystem. Today, we're going to talk about how this conference works. And in order to do that effectively, we've brought on another guest. Jackie Augustine is the events director for PSF. Jackie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. As Eva mentioned, it is Friday. It is a wonderful day where I'm talking from. So I'm glad to be enjoying it, starting it with you. Jackie, I can detect in your accent some Midwest vibes. I know you're calling from Chicago. Is that accurate? It is accurate. Born and raised, very Midwestern, and I guess I have an accent. It's a good thing. It's really cool. I have a New England accent. That's why I talk too fast. Sorry for all of you who are foreign English as second language learners. I know it's really hard to hear me speak. Eva and Jackie, is there a reason that the PSF is like based in Chicago? Is that just a thing? I wouldn't say the PSF is based in Chicago. We just have actually three employees in the Chicagoland area. It just so happened that way. Actually, I used to work with Jackie at another organization. So that is how I met Jackie, which was actually probably like 13 years ago at this point in time, a long time ago. And, you know, an opportunity arose for Jackie to join the PSF. And I've obviously experienced her work before. So we took that opportunity. And now Jackie runs Pike on US, which is a very exciting program for us. And we're absolutely thrilled with what Jackie does with it. Awesome. So PyCon US is different than PyCon. How is it so? So PyCon is just the main term that people use to describe a Python conference. And not every regional conference uses the term PyCon, but it is trademarked. So it helps the PSF ensure that people that do put on these types of conferences, there's a code of conduct, ticket sales are reasonable. You know, there are certain expectations that help it be more accessible to the community that we want to ensure. So that's why it's trademarked and it helps us kind of maintain that kind of standard across the board. But other regional conferences definitely use the term Python conference or Pi, whatever conference. So you'll see a variety of those. 
Excellent. Your last conference, I know COVID threw us all for a whirl. Can you describe how that's been for you and what you've done since, say, last year? Because I'm just curious how you've adapted. Well, we were about three weeks, maybe a little over three weeks in 2020 when COVID first hit from conference that was to be held in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. At that time, we sort of ran with the concept of putting everything online. We didn't consider that a virtual conference, but we did provide content online. Super supportive support from our sponsors as far as providing content that we can put on a virtual expo hall on the website. And also the speakers to quickly record what they were going to be presenting at PyCon US. And we were able to put pretty much of the content that we were going to provide in person. That happened within three weeks. We were like shocked. I think our eyes were like deer in headlights when that all happened. So then we took a step back and realized that moving forward that we were going to have to put on a virtual conference. We didn't want it to be just what we did for online content for 2020. So the process began of comparing all the virtual platforms that were now available for everybody to use within that year. And it was a difficult process, mostly because when I first compare, there were pieces that we were focusing on. And then all of a sudden, everybody's enhancing their platforms and adding new features. So we had to revisit that comparison numerous times before we actually made a final decision to go virtual with PyCon and which platform to use for 2021. And I think we, you know, in hindsight, now that it's over, I think we picked the one that worked best for our conference. We did focus on a few pieces that we wanted to make sure were highlights for the event. And I think it worked. What platform did you end up going with? We ended up going with Hubelo, which is an event platform that really focused on the pieces that we wanted to make sure were available. And that was networking you know, to provide that hallway track concept for both the attendees and then also sponsors to connect with attendees. That is the main reason that they attend conferences is to really get in front of um, attendees that are going. And they had the best option that I found for multiple ways of networking. How did the sponsors, what was their feedback on the hall track slash expo hall virtual experience? Overall, I think it was very positive. I think they were pleased with the amount of content they were able to provide on the virtual platform, which is not the case in a lot of different experiences that they've had. I do think they enjoyed the way the networking went and the amount of contact that they had with the attendees overall over the three days. We did have a job fair that worked on the platform, and I think that worked very well. There was positive feedback from that. To put that on virtually was something that's not always successful. Overall, it was positive. There's always some hiccups in there, but I think overall we had positive feedback from them. I think the most interesting part of like where we were in this timeline is that PyCon US 2021 was fairly late in the game in terms of all the virtual events that had already been happening. So we've already received a lot of feedback from people as to what they kind of expected And honestly, a lot of it was not that great. And to know that people did have a good experience and they did use the engagement portion of the software to actually interact with one another was really great. I found it to be motivational and inspirational in the end. Yeah, a lot of innovation in this space due to COVID. You know, there were some platforms that I just couldn't stand, like 
I, you know, I bought a ticket and I just stayed through two talks when there was two days left. I just, you know, it's just the whole experience. We had other guests that talked about the audience that came. Did it exceed expectations, not exceed expectations? How was attendance for this virtual event? Initially, as you could imagine, we thought, okay, we're open for everybody to attend. Our numbers are going to be huge compared to what we do in person. But then reality hit and there was still a lot of reasons why, and Eva mentioned it, people were burned out from doing virtual conferences. They had experiences that weren't necessarily positive and they didn't feel that attending another one was worth it. So in the end, you know, we had our goals, we had our tiers of goals and we hit what we thought we would hit. And we were successful in that. So we had just over 2,600 people attend, which we were very happy with. Compared to your live events, is that on par or is it? Yeah, in-person events usually goes between 32 and 3,500. So it is a, was a little bit less. But we had about half the number of sessions. We had about half the number of um, sponsor booths, not sponsors per se, but booths because some sponsors did chose not to have an actual booth at the event, but they were still sponsors. And that was our goal going into a virtual event that we were going to hit 50% of our, our numbers. So we were over 50% of attendance. So we were happy with that. Last question, I promise. Going forward, do you see yourselves doing a hybrid? I've been hearing a lot from other conference event organizers that are going to start going to do hybrid because they got way more than they expected online. So like, I I think we interviewed Steve from the Open Hardware Hardware Network. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. They usually got like 3000 in live events and then online, they got like 10,000. So they're like, yeah, going forward, we're going to do hybrid. So is that the plan with the PSF or are you just going straight back to live? That is the million dollar question for sure right (laughs) now as we start planning. I think the question that we're asking ourselves is, do you actually take that component out in their ability for anybody to attend, whether they feel comfortable traveling or not? And we feel that there will have to be some form of online component to the event as we move forward, especially the first couple of years, whether that's going to be a full type of conference or will there be streaming of the keynotes and some of the sessions where content can be viewed. We haven't made that final decision moving into PyCon 2022 yet. I mean, one of the things that we really have to take into consideration. So, for example, prior to the pandemic happening, you know, PyCon was, yes, did things change and, and kind of grow over the years? It's been a cookie cutter experience. So, we were able to run it on a shoestring budget, right? Like, there were literally probably two people, myself for a very long time, that were just running it with. Many volunteers obviously helping, but now, you know, Jackie is going to have an assistant that we're going to be hiring soon, which is still only two people to run a major conference. When you add something like a hybrid event, you're really planning two events at the same time. So that really changes up how we're able to do that with the resources that we have. So a lot of things go into consideration when that decision will be made. I know that. You two are not in the business of looking at the conference ecosystem as a whole, because that's a different science. But you're representing PSF, and PSF needs to do what it needs to do to be able to do the amazing stuff it does by supporting maintainers. That's a lot of work going on. It's not just organizing conferences, it's just one of the ways that you get paid. 
At the same time, we've had this wonderful watershed moment where COVID has forced us all to stay home, which is inarguably better for the environment. And this podcast is called Sustain. I mean, we tend to focus on sustaining open source software in the long haul, but that also involves sustaining the planet. And I know that doing a hybrid event is a step towards that because it's allowing people to stay home so that they don't have to fly all the way across the world or across the continent or drive 20 minutes to a conference center. I'm just curious, has an ecosystem level analysis of like what PSF does and what your conferences are influence your decisions at all? And is there anything you're doing to make it more sustainable ecologically? Well, we did begin forming a sustainability committee in 2019, but then COVID hit, so they didn't get any momentum going. And I'm hoping to bring that back into really making that an awareness that we provide at the conference for everybody and work on that. Some of the things that we're doing or planning on doing is like the swag papers and all that is going away moving forward. So we're taking the steps. We work with the convention centers as well to make sure that they are doing their part in the sustainability and things like that. So there are steps. That's definitely a core part of site visits that Jackie you know, does and checking on that kind of aspect of not only the convention center, but you know, the city itself. And I guess one of the things is PyCon isn't always able to afford a city that's easiest for everyone to get to with just like a single flight where what we consider usually second tier cities where sometimes it takes two flights to get, which is unfortunate. So, you know, hopefully in the future, we can help balance that out. Yes, it's been wonderful for the environment that we've all kind of had to reset and stay home. But I also think that's going to have a little bit of an adverse effect because now everyone is going to be like, oh my gosh, I want to be together, you know, whenever that can happen. So Steve Helvey's Open Hardware Network Conference got so many people partially because all of a sudden there were tons of Chinese developers were able to attend the conference. I'm curious if the same thing happened here. I don't think it did, honestly, that we were able to get that much. We did have a larger international attendance at the conference. I don't have exact stats in front of me, but it wasn't what we expected initially when we first started talking. But I think it was because of we were late in that season of virtual conferences. People were burned out. They really were. That makes sense. I mean, an in-person conference is irreplaceable. It's really nice to be able to see people actually have real coffee at the coffee track, actually have real dinner at the dinner track. I mean, you can't virtualize food yet. So I don't know why that sounds so ominous. It just, it just did. Looking at PyCon US and looking at, you know, the, the sponsors trying to get a bang for their buck, trying to help out the community and also get their ads placed. And then the participants trying to get in front of other programmers to talk about really cool stuff that they're making or just trying to network, find a job. Can you speak a bit more to the value of these conferences for the ecosystem as a whole? What would happen if we just never had them again? What's the value in them? Richard, you and I have spoken about this in other conversations, how unless you're able to have that hallway track, it's not a useful experience for you personally, right? And I feel like actually there are hundreds of people that attend PyCon that probably never go to a talk. All the value that's there for them is to network with people to talk about their projects with people, to you know, have their projects be seen and tested, whatever the case might be. And that is the majority of what the conference is for them. And for others, you know, it, it is getting a job. It is sprinting on a project, which you know, PyCon US has four days of sprints. 
when it's in person at least, which is very impactful for projects, large and small, even for small projects that can attract new contributors and maintainers, which is very important for the sustainability of their project and open source in general. So I think there are a lot of components to the impact of the environment. I don't know if you want to add to that, Jackie. Well, just to hit a little bit on the sponsors and why they sponsor, mostly what which I have found in my years here is they are sponsoring because they support Python and they support what the PSF is doing. All these sponsors have their budgets for events and getting themselves in front of the community. And we've heard from them that PyCon really attracts the type of programming people that they want to talk to. And so it really is about getting in front of those people. They didn't feel that they had that experience virtually as you know the ROI wasn't what they wanted to be virtually. So they're really eager to get back in person. But I think actually, Jackie, it might be a good idea for you to talk about how you did the job fair this year, because I think that was actually a really neat virtual setup that I think, you know, would be great to continue doing even after we're having in-person events. Yeah, the job fair, like I mentioned earlier, was very successful. And we were able to, because of the platform that we chose, assign little tables for each staff member from the company that was going to participate um, in recruiting for the job fair. And attendees were able to sit at that table and have a one-on-one conversation, just like they were going to be in person. And then when they were done, that person would leave and then the table would show that it was available. And watching that happen virtually was very exciting because there were people coming and going on these tables for the two hours that we were open. And it definitely was successful. I like that. Do you have any idea how many people got jobs? No, we did not keep track of that. Did you try looking at any of those platforms where there's like a virtual world and have your little avatar and you walk around and underneath the palm tree and get a job that way? Have you looked at those? We looked at some of those and felt that the community, our community would not appreciate that. It's not what they were looking for. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. They're interesting. I just helped a company organize placing ads on virtual real estate in the metaverse. And it was a really interesting topic to talk about. It's like, well, where are we going to find the people who are going to be there? But it also brings to mind the idea of permanent virtual conferences. So I'm wondering, with virtual stuff, you don't have to focus on a single time. You can have asynchronous conferences and you can have a lot different types of meetups, right? Have you looked into moving beyond the single annual convention format? Not yet, but I think that... Because there are so many regional PyCons and Python conferences run by local user groups, it's a very difficult discussion to have, right? Because we also don't want to take away from these local communities from, you know, from meeting, you know, PyOhio, I guess, is a great example because PyOhio is a very active, you know, it's a smaller conference, but they meet every year. They have many active user groups throughout the year that have been happening virtually. PyOhio has been happening virtually. But then PyCon went to Cleveland, but that I think also helped reinforce a lot of the attendance when we looked at the numbers and how many people attended from Ohio was really incredible, right? So it kind of brought like the larger scale portion of it. So I feel like there's a good balance there. We're just not sure how to approach it yet. And then, you know, obviously that's going to take a lot of internal growth to be able to support that kind of external growth, I guess. But the PSF does support those local user groups 
We manage, you know, meetups for a lot of user groups. We have the grants program that supports a lot of these regional conferences. So I think the PSF's role in those is not so much putting on these conferences, but supporting the community that does. And I think we do that very well already. But growing past that at this point, there's not really anything. Have you thought about having virtual hybrid models in multiple locations at the same time? There's no reason you couldn't have a track in Kansas City and a track in Cleveland to combine both of the local user groups there. Just curious if that's crossed your mind. Not yet. Okay. But that's definitely food for thought. Thank you. Yes. Welcome. Eric, you've been silent for most of this podcast. I'm curious if you have any questions. I suppose my thoughts are more around the emotional roller coaster that Jackie must be going through during these conferences. I'm hearing all about how these conferences worked, but I just could only imagine what you go through in the weeks prior to the conference, during the conference, and maybe the giant sigh of relief that comes after it's over. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about that experience on an emotional level that you went through? Roller coaster is definitely a good way of explaining it because it, it is. And the feelings that you get when you're plunging, it was all part of it, especially virtually. I mean, I've said a couple of times now in conversations that this was one of the most difficult years of my career in event planning as far as transitioning to virtual and getting through that emotionally. And a lot of it is the uncertainty and am I making the right decision is the community going to you know, appreciate this? And realizing that planning an event is a huge undertaking in itself, but then planning a virtual event is not any easier. You think it is. I'm sitting in my office, you know, it's fine. But the roller coaster being the amount of content that you they want to put and gathering all that and presenting it in a way that is going to be beneficial to everybody that's watching it from their homes. And then when the time comes to start and you know, you're know you in charge of pushing that button to say, okay, we're, we're opening. Usually when you're on site, you have a support team. You've set up your staff office. Everybody's around you and your convention center staff and your food and beverage staff and the excitement's there. And here I sat in my office. Obviously we had staff on, you know, on Slack and you know, talking to each other, but it was just me. And managing that emotion, as you put it, was a challenge and it did go up and down. One thing that's worth mentioning is even though it was virtual, I'm sure Jackie can attest to the adrenaline that runs through you when you're at an event. I did feel some of that happening even virtually through the weekend that we had, mainly because, you know, the interactions that we had on staff and just watching Twitter, which also sometimes could be a dangerous thing, but it was just really great to see the positivity, which kind of helped us feel like we're on cloud nine. Is there something that you learned through this process that you didn't expect that you can take to the next one and say, okay, I got to remember this because it was an issue last year? Absolutely. Knowing that it is not simple to plan a virtual event and that the content needs to be structured in a way that is accessible and we did it too quick so there were lots of things people are still moving whether they're physically in a convention center or not and i think that was one thing that we learned through this is the content needs to be spaced a little realizing that people are still moving whether they're sitting in their office or not one of the things that's so great about being at a conference is the ability to exercise agency to leave a talk 
to give a talk, to introduce yourself to someone, to go for a walk with someone, to go to dinner. And there's none of this when you're on a virtual event. It's either watch or don't watch, pretty much. Sometimes it's type or don't type. And it just doesn't have the same hit to the individual. And when Eric was talking about the emotion and asking around that, it made me wonder about the emotional experience of attendees. And I'm curious if there's any way you've made or you plan on making it easier for people who come to the conference to join in the decision-making process for PSF, to join into working groups and feel like they're part of something bigger than just watching a talk. And how has that shaped how you're planning future models? We rely a lot on volunteer committees. And initially there's a couple committees, I call them the big groups with our program committee, the tutorial committee, our poster committee, the ones that help put up our call for proposals review it, make changes, and then eventually review all of the proposals that we receive and form our agenda, which is really the core of what PyCon is, is the presentations and the speakers that we have. And those committees are definitely the core volunteers that that help build PyCon. And we're working on and we're restructuring that program to for sustainability, for growing those committees so that one person doesn't get burned out being the chair of that and managing that we train the committee members to every two years turn that position over. And we're really working on restructuring how we're approaching that and the recruitment of the volunteers so that there's more information out there. Because right now, currently, it's been sort of one-off requests of volunteers. Would you like to join? We would like to have that more sustainable and out there. So that's in, in the process of happening. Super exciting. I like that a lot. What are you most excited about in the future for the next PyCon? Seeing faces. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Checks out. I get it. Where can people follow PSF? Where can they sign up to go to your conferences? And where can they follow along? Yeah, so I think a great place to follow along the PSF and PyCon is on Twitter. So at the PSF is the PSF account and at PyCon is the PyCon account. We'll be sure to include links. And we also have newsletters, both from PyCon when PyCon is active, PyCon US, and from PSF. So we'll be sure to include those links in the podcast notes. Thank you. Jackie, you do amazing work as a director of events, and not every foundation has this ability. Is there any chance that you have a blog or a Twitter account that people could follow to connect with you if they're, say, the event director at Linux Foundation or something similar? Yes, I do. My Twitter is at Jackie A underscore PyCon. So it's very distinct. They know I'm PyCon. And you know, I'm not very active on that because I'm usually doing the PyCon Twitter account, but I'm reachable through both Twitter accounts. Awesome. Definitely. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is really exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing how PSF continues to grow. I think you two have done an amazing job. And also all the volunteers and all the contributors yes. and everyone. It's a joint effort and it's massive. Yes. But Watching this happen, I mean, Eva, you and I have been talking for the past two years has been astounding and seeing how you've been able to pivot and serve the community in such an amazing way. It's just, just fantastic. So thank you so much. I'm a Python user. So on behalf of me, at least, I appreciate it. Speaking of thanks, we have a section at the end of this podcast, which it is now time for. This is called Spotlight. This is where we just shed thanks on something which is really important. We asked that it be normally open source, but as the hosts have been moderating hundreds of podcasts, we've sort of given up on that. <laughs> now we just do whatever we want. So Justin Dorfman, 
what's your spotlight today? There's this like LinkedIn 2.0 site that just launched. It's called polywork.com. And if you use the VIP code sustain open source, you can get in on it. It's like a change log for all the cool stuff that you did at your current position or positions in the past. So you can go like, oh yeah, I remember doing that. So yeah, polywork.com code sustain open source. Very cool. Thank you. I'm pretty sure you got that keyword. So thank you for that extra legwork. That's amazing. Eric Berry. I'm an older guy. And if you remember back in the early 90s, late 80s, these games, these text-based games were super fun. And I used to play this one game called Trade Wars all the time back in the day. And I find myself wishing that I could find something like that, which I did. And there's a website, pardus.at, P-A-R-D-U-S. And it's just this really fun, casual space game that you can just click around and trade resources. And it's really just a game to play and not to win. So for, for me as a developer, wanting to just step away for a quick moment and like refocus on something that doesn't hurt my brain, that's a great way to go. Excellent. Love that. I miss MUDs. My spotlight today is Bohemian Bakery. Pretty much every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday between the hours of 10 and 1, I walked around the block to my local bakery, exchanged surly remarks with Annie and Robert, the proprietors, and got my Cortado to go. And it was basically the best part of my life until two weeks ago when that location shut down. And today, right now, 38 minutes ago, I wasn't at the grand opening of the new location downtown. And I'm going immediately after I leave this podcast to go nice. get my drink. And I'm so excited. So I just wanted to point out that Bohemian Bakery is the best place to get baked goods and coffee in Montpelier. For those of you who come to our bustling metropolis of 7,000 people, you must <laughs> check it out. Very exciting. That's my spotlight. Eva, what's your spotlight? <laughs> I feel like mine are not as exciting as these. So I guess for me, taking it back, because I think, Richard, you mentioned something quite interesting earlier by saying that the PSF, you know, doesn't necessarily worry about the whole open source sustainability of events, but we have definitely been talking about it. And there are software platforms out there that do try to make it easier, for example, to run an event, to put up your website, to deploy your website, you know, whatever the case might be, is an actual effort that maybe volunteers don't have the time to do. So PyCon actually And actually, the PSF has funded both of these projects, but Registration and Symposium are two software, and I'll be sure to include links as well, are two platforms. So Registration is a registration, but with an S. So it allows conferences to be able to sell tickets, to be able to do add-ons, all sorts of things. And PyCon has developed on top of that. So we've been using that since. And that was developed by a community member and funded by the PSF, which is kind of cool. And Symposion, which is actually really historical for us, it is just a conference management solution. So you could do like proposals and things like that. And that is something that PyCon started running on, I would say probably in 2010, if not earlier. So yeah, and also funded by the PSF. So there are platforms out there that do try to you know approach that sustainable aspect of running a conference. And I feel like the PSF can definitely continue funding these kinds of projects and, and we hope to do so in the future. Love it. Thank you, Eva. Great ones. Jackie, what is your spotlight today? My spotlight is sustainability for everything that the PSF does. And 
the ability to have this position, not being a programmer, not being you know knowledgeable in all these platforms that you're talking about, but the ability to watch it all happen and to learn from the community has been wonderful. I do want to do a shout out to our some of our work groups, our diversity and inclusion work group, I think is really helping to broaden the knowledge of open source and the PSF. And I think that's a really important piece and they're really gaining some steam and I'm glad to be part of that work group. So there are things like that that I'm watching happen within the community and working and having these goals are, are really an important piece. So Awesome. Thank you. Thank you both for coming on. It was really great to hear your thoughts on PyCon and organizing conferences today. Oh, listeners, if you also have thoughts on these things, please check out the sustainoss.org discourse. We have a forum where you can talk about anything related to sustaining open source, including conferences. We also have working groups. We don't have one at the moment for event coordination, but there's no reason that we couldn't. So if you're interested in setting one up, I think the discourse is probably the best place to go. We also, of course, have a Twitter account. And if you tweet at SustainOSS, we're more than happy to retweet, send along, and try to find the right person to answer whatever questions, comments, or well wishes, or Hail Marys, or other invocations of the gods you would have. So please send them our way. Again, Eva, Jackie, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank so you much all. for having us. Yeah.